0: Hey, First Gen family, this is your host, Rich Two. This is a special series in this feed called First Gen Stay Home Edition. The mission is the same, sharing immigrant stories from the creative community, but in this new normal we're all experiencing. I'll be catching up with friends of the show as well as some new ones. Before we get to our guests, I encourage all of you to help support your frontline healthcare providers and donate to First Responders First, a fund dedicated to frontline healthcare providers serving during the coronavirus pandemic. And you can do that at help.reformers. First Responders First Co.
1: Wait, it's supposed to ask me. I thought it's going to ask me. This is being recorded. Do you still want to be here?
0: Oh, oh, does it it's supposed to do that? It's supposed to ask for consent? I didn't know that. Yeah, it does.
1: It does that because it'll say this. This call is being
0: recorded. Do you want to leave the meeting? <laughs> this call is recorded. Is it weird yet? <laughs> are you sure you want to be here? Totally. So uh, Shreyas Krishnan, how are you? Good, Rich. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, life is a little bit weird, as we were just talking about <laughs> a minute ago. I hope you're staying happy and healthy over in St. Louis.
1: As much as possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, uh, for the listener, you, you've never done this podcast before, so thank you for mm-hmm. joining us for the very first time. This is yeah, a special... S- for having me. Absolutely. This is a special series, first gen stay home edition. Uh, because you're, you're brand new to the podcast, I'd, I would love for you to talk a little bit about who you are and where you're from up top. And then I, I'd love to ask you some specific questions.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the, the, quick, the quick flashback version. Um, so I'm Shreyas R. Krishnan. I'm an illustrator and I also teach right now. But before this, I am originally from India, um, the city of Chennai, which is in South India. I studied to be a graphic designer, and then after working as a designer for a few years, I realized that I needed to jump ship. So I came to the U.S. to do a master's in illustration at MICA in Baltimore, and after that, I started teaching, and I'm now a teacher and an illustrator. That's the quick version.
0: Totally. I I remember when we first met a few weeks ago mm-hmm. when I flew to St. Louis, which is literally the last trip i took oh i remember i had some other trips that were going to happen that all got canceled pretty immediately but the community over at washington uh university was so nice and also the aiga community was so cool and uh i loved your talk over there and uh, i loved your illustrative style but also if it fells or feels like the there is a beautiful energy about it, but also you're so willing to tackle social issues with your work.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's not—it's not like I'm consciously deciding. Oh, these are subjects that I want to talk about. I think it's just because a lot of my work is um, is self-generated. Because like teaching is my day job, so illustration is kind of like the thing that I—it's my practice. So because I get to self-author and self-generate, I think it just comes from a place of like, this is the stuff I'm interested in and therefore this is what the work becomes about.
0: How do you feel your work has changed ever since the COVID-19 pandemic? Has it changed or has your your self-generation taken a shift?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's hard to generate. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I think, um, like at some point I was like, oh, I'm going to start making diary comics about being in my house alone but then you know like it happens in my head and then it just becomes hard to make stuff and like the great thing about teaching is that i'm full of wisdom for my students and sometimes i have to remember that i need to take that advice for myself also (laughs) Um, so like i've been telling the students like you know it's going to be hard for you to make sometimes and that's okay you just have to sort of take into consideration the fact that we're living in very strange times So I'm sort of trying to remind myself that it's okay if I go through a couple of days not having made anything and just, you know, trying to stay on top of just doing stuff. Um, But also like, because I'm teaching, like I do have some sort of a structure to my day, which is nice. Um, Switching to teaching online has been interesting and we could talk more about that also. Yes. Um, But yeah, I've been, I mean, yesterday, I, I've been collaborating a lot, if you remember from, like, the talk I did um, at AIGA. Like, um, like, I think just working with other people and finding ways to work on projects together is a great way for me to just keep making. Um, a friend and I applied for a remote residency yesterday, which was fun. Um, what does that together?
0: entail, a remote residency? So, this
1: was actually, um, it's a remote residency, so I guess it like, all of the communication and everything will happen over email or calls, like no one's actually going to physically go somewhere. But you're producing work that could eventually get printed. Um, but you're still sort of producing it from a distance. You're not going to a place to work. Right. I mean, regardless of whether we get the project or not, I think we have a cool idea that we're excited to build on. So I think just having friends who want to work with me and who I want to work with is also kind of helping me Keep making things, and even just talking about making things is sometimes a useful thing to do, even if you're not actually producing things.
0: Uh, I know that you're you do a lot of collaborative projects. Mm-hmm. I know that you just launched a book.
1: Right. So the bystander anthology is not launched yet because right now because um, India is on lockdown, um, like a full lockdown right now. So our printing schedule is like in the air. A little bit, but we're continuing to work on the project um, because we've been working remotely on it for a year. Because, um, like, the editorial team is basically spread across three continents.
0: Wow! And then how has is, how is your collaborative sensibilities changed? I mean, aside from I'm sure having a bunch more Zoom meetings like <laughs> this one, <laughs> has it changed at all, or has it still basically stayed the same?
1: I think on that project, it's kind of stayed the same. I think we're just being a little more compassionate to each other about. Um, You know, if someone's not able to do something, we're just trying to sort of take over and help each other out because there's a lot of, in an anthology of this scope, um, there's a lot of work to do. So a lot of this um, hinges on us, like dividing the amount of work between us. Um, But the fact that we all kind of like have, like some of us haven't met each other in person. We've just been doing this entirely on WhatsApp chats and emails and Skype calls for like over a year. So that aspect of it hasn't changed as much. We're still just talking to each other through screens. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so some parts of it are just unaffected because that's how we've been working on this anyway. And then other aspects of it, I think, is just sort of dealing with the, the just the mental impact of having to be and exist in the time we are in right now. Like, I think that that's the only part that we're sort of having to adapt to.
0: Right. How's your family doing back in India?
1: Um, so my parents are back in India and India is on lockdown. I think they're doing okay so far. Um, I, uh, the city I think is doing okay. My friends are doing okay. My parents are doing okay. Um, I think it's a little scary because, um, India's a really dense place. Like this is the thing I've noticed. Like, um, and you might have noticed this when you came to St. Louis. It's not as dense as New York is.
0: Yeah, I think I noticed that immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like if you walk in here and you're like, where are the people? Um, so, like, that's one thing I've noticed. Like, it's not. I'm. It's not like I'm suddenly seeing fewer people on the streets since we went into shelter in place. Like, my street just looks the same. <laughs> There's just hardly any people on my streets. Um, but in a place like India, it's a little harder because even, even when there is a lockdown, there are things that are difficult to enforce, like keeping people indoors or having people just, you know, not have to crowd together to get groceries and things like that. So that part is a little stressful knowing that everyone's far away. Like, I can't really go back to India.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Um,
1: because of the lockdown. So it's, I think we're just sort of like, using video calls <laughs> to stay in touch at this point
0: totally like here in new york like just me um me and ali we just took a walk today around brooklyn to pick up some groceries and kind of do like necessity stuff and we're trying to like limit the amount of time we're physically mm-hmm. outdoors trying to le- not leave the apartment. So like a modest two-bedroom um no more than once or twice a week even, right? But then when we go out now, now everyone has a mask, of course, according to like, you know, CDC uh, rules and recommendations. And and like, you know, I walk out with gloves and like everyone's just avoiding each other, but it's so different. It's such a hard left turn from even two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when we're all still just used to crowding on top of each other. Um, yeah. But the city's changed. But, but it's so odd because it's it goes from completely dense to to slightly less dense, but everyone yeah. feeling afraid.
1: Yeah, I bought a mask recently and it just felt weird walking around, having my face covered. I was like, are people looking at me? Am I <laughs> like, is this, is this strange? And then I spotted like three other people. I mean, it took me like 15 minutes of walking to like, walk into three other people.
0: Totally. like,
1: <laughs> well, oh, I got I saw other people also wearing masks. And I was like, okay, I'm not the only one.
0: <laughs> i got a i got an all black mask and I feel kind of cool when I walk down the street with it so i i feel i like my mask um, I might actually just continue it into the rest of my life as a personal fashion show. <laughs> right um so you are a, a professor over at Washington mm-hmm. University and you teach illustration mm-hmm. how has this shifted your workflow shifted your students' workflow
1: um i mean for starters I'm now spending eighteen hours a week more at my computer than i used to um but I mean, I think there are some parts of it that, are, that, have, that have been easy to transition and other parts that have just been like, we're still sort of figuring it out because I think we're done with like three weeks of teaching online so far. Um, and I feel like I'm just starting to like understand exactly like what some constraints are and like what things are easier to adapt. Um, like I'm teaching drawing online, which is like the most bizarre Bizarre idea for me to wrap my head around.
0: Yeah, how does that go? Can you talk me through that?
1: Um, so the, the upside is that I'm not doing like location drawing stuff. We did all of that in the first half of the semester. So we're done with that. So I still don't know how I would deal with something like that um, if I had to transition that online. But we're doing um, drawing a story. Mm. So like last class, we played Pictionary using the whiteboard feature on Zoom. Oh, I don't know if I've ever
0: used that feature. How does that work?
1: Uh, We're going
0: to try that right now. Let's do it. We're recording this thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you can draw now.
0: Oh, get out. Yeah. You can totally draw on this now. (laughs) Oh, for the listener. Oh, so for the listener, uh, Shriya has brought us into the whiteboard mode of (laughs) Zoom and now she's doing a screen share. And oh, shit. This is dope. <laughs> and now uh, Shreyas is drawing. Oh, there we go. Oh, fuck! You're drawing me. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, what else am I gonna draw? <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. You know, it was it was so cool. Like the um, the the keynote talks that we did. I love doing it with another illustrator because I I identify as an illustrator because that's how I was trained, and it just it just brings me back to to what I feel the most comfortable at in terms of my own personal creativity and like what yeah. I can make and do. It's so, it's so dope.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that both of our talks kind of like, like not that we coordinated on anything because we literally just met the morning of the talk, but somehow yeah. it was sort of like both the talks lined up really well because um, like I was talking about finding a language and you were talking about sort of building on existing things. Yeah. And, like, I just thought that all of it just, like, fell in place really nicely, and I was just very pleasantly surprised by all of, you know, how things lined up.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was a great day. I wish I was there for more than 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was intense. That was um, a really quick trip. It's absolutely a very quick trip. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your work too, because it is both expressive but also um, editorial in nature. Um, A lot of your work expresses breaking barriers within uh, gender norms and Mm -hmm. also creating visuals that also speak to non binary individuals and kind of like empowering um, all types. Can you talk a little bit about that and your passion for that?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, first of all, thank you for all those amazing words about. My work. Um, I think. I think the thing is that, like, when I the first time I took a gender studies class, like my my mind just imploded. Like, everything started making sense to me. Like, why why we behave the way we do, or why historically, like patriarchy has functioned the way it does, or why why feminism exists. Um, and I think there were a lot of things, a lot of things that I felt that I didn't have words to put into. Before that, and once I started sort of having ways to articulate that, it just became a lot easier for me to um, use illustration to also um, sort of build on those ideas because until then, I think like um, like you know if you have these thoughts and feelings that you have in your mind, you're not able to articulate them. you can only sort of you go around in circles a little bit trying to find ways to make sense of them. But then once you have sort of uh, a thing that you can apply to it or even just like a little Like gate that opens out that starts clarifying things, it just becomes easier to start um, filtering things through and just making sense of everything that you're experiencing and everything that you're seeing, and then start translating that into the work that you're making.
0: Yeah, everything I'm tracking on everything you're saying. I I think that historically speaking, illustration has felt very, very male, very male dominant. Mm -hmm. But I do think in the past. Actually, very recently, the past few years, um, the the idea of illustration as a conduit of introducing these ideas has is actually really started to open up. But like now, the 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 aperture feels so wide now. But I think that's because of individuals like you r- really, um, really pushing that. But uh, do you feel that? Do you feel the same way?
1: Um, I feel like it's definitely more now because I mean we have.
0: I mean, there's still um, issues for sure.
1: Yeah, there's still issues, but I think people are just more willing to talk about it. There are people, there are like lots of smaller communities, like um, like Julia Rothman and Wendy. Not um, they um, they started the um, Women Who Draw directory, which I thought was great because now like people don't have an excuse to say, "Well, I don't know any women to hire," um, right. which I think is just amazing because that's like it's one thing, but it already addresses like a bigger issue of just people not hiring enough women. So I think a lot of people are just willing to willing to say more and do more about um, tackling these issues and not sort of just sweeping them sweeping them under the rug, which is great. Um, but also, I think in my own work, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit of a nerd, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I like figuring out. Like, like I'm. I was really interested in design history, and I think that some of like comes over into like illustration history. Like, I want to know why an image was made the way it was or why we continue to remember it the way it was, which I think, um, because I think that, like to figure out why we make images the way we do now or why we have problems right now, we kind of have to understand why those problems existed before or why those images were made that way before. And I, like, I'm really interested in, like, um, work that addresses that. And I think illustration is such a, like, it's such a powerful medium. Like, people would rather look at pictures than read like pages and pages and pages of academic work, unless you're like in that field.
0: It's um, like there's an immediacy to it.
1: Yeah. There's an immediacy to it. Like, you know, a comic can convey so much more really quickly. Like people are making legal contracts as comics.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. you talked about that in your, in your talk.
1: Yeah. it like, you can make, if you can make a legal contract, that's a comic that has no text in it. We can make <laughs> comics about anything. Like we should right. be able to, Like images can be used to talk about images. Like we should be able to use illustration to talk about illustration history.
0: Totally. uh,
1: Or design history. And I think that's such a that that's gonna be an important way to just keep this information more accessible not just to people in the industry, but also to people who are consuming the images that we make.
0: Yeah, for sure. I was always a big fan of uh, Scott McCloud, mm-hmm. and, and Scott McCloud, how he did that book, um, uh, Understanding the, Comics. Yeah, Understanding Comics, which was like, like a very meta understanding.
1: Understanding Comics was great because it's like it's a comic about making comics. If it if it was if it was like a five hundred page book that was just describing how panel layouts <laughs> work, like no one is going to sit and read that. But the fact that it's like images talking about images just makes it so much more quicker to understand oh, this is what a panel transition is. This is how time functions right. in a panel. Like, it just makes it so much more immediate and easy to grasp.
0: Were you ever a fan of Richard Maguire? Uh, Richard Maguire, he he also does like a lot of meta-based comics, and then he did that one uh, comic that was about um, history and time, but uh, he did it in Raw. That-
1: oh, I know the book you are talking about, yes. Um, it was that book
0: called... Yeah, right. here, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Richard McGuire here. Where for the listener, it was uh, a single panel that takes place over time and space. But then you'll see panels within panels. So within like a small corner, you might see like the foot of a of a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. There might be like a 1950s nuclear yeah. family. But then there in another panel, there might be like you know um, an indigenous person just hanging out. It's yeah. it, 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 it was so trippy in, in yeah, a way was- that I'd never seen it.
1: It was great. I didn't, I didn't actually know about it until um, I took my, I'm teaching comics this semester and I took my class to the University City Public Library because they have an amazing um, graphic novel collection and it was just like basically a reading day. So everyone yeah. just was hanging out and looking at books and one of my students brought this to me and she was like, I think you should see this, <laughs> which is great. And I was like, yes, amazing. I'm going to check this book out right now. <laughs>
0: So uh, can I ask a little bit about your inspiration um, as an illustrator? Like, who were you looking at uh, growing up? Like, what, what, what inspired you? I was really into Sam Weber mm-hmm. um, and also uh, Josh Cochran. I really wanted to emulate Josh Cochran like, 15 years ago. Like, that was when I was really looking at Josh. Um, yeah. who, who were you looking at?
1: I, I think I was actually not looking. So here's the thing. I was looking at illustrators when I was a designer, but my brain wasn't processing that I wanted to be an illustrator. So, like, the people I was looking at before I realized illustration was my thing um, were Alan Fletcher. Hmm. He um, Alan Fletcher is, like, one of the, the original, like, he was the founders of what is now Pentagram. So, it was Fletcher, Forbes, and Gill. Um, so, Alan Fletcher was one of those designers who would also make these beautiful, like, inky drawings. And I could just not get over them. Um, so, I loved Alan Fletcher's work. Myra Kalman's work hmm. is still just amazing and like I I have this horrible, embarrassing story of how now it's just become a joke now. Like I met Myra Kalman in two thousand fifteen and I blabbered a lot, I think I talked to her a little bit, and then she emailed me after that, and I've just been so terrified to reply to the email. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's been five years, and I don't know what to do with this
0: information. Oh, you should Um, just email her. There's no time, like, right now.
1: I know, yeah, Rich, you know what, everyone keeps telling me this, but, you know, how do you you respond to an email to your idol? I don't understand, (laughs) Um,
0: but maybe now that I've said this. If there was ever a time, I think a a worldwide disruption. (laughs) We'll probably yeah. make a random email seem okay. I, I feel like I feel like also now that I've just said this out loud on
1: this recording that you are not going to edit. <laughs> I feel like I now need to just
0: do it. I think you should. I think she'd appreciate it. <laughs> well, I I met Myra Coleman once. I, did, I hosted a panel talk that Myra Coleman was actually on. So I was I was scared shitless the entire time, and it was for Blackwing Pencils. Blackwing oh Pencils was coming back. Um, and then it was Myra Coleman. It was a, a nephew of Chuck Jones, um, so one of the one of the people on the Blackwing Pencil side, and then someone else. I'm, I'm forgetting. This is almost like ten years ago now. Oh my god! Yeah, and I remember the entire time I was like, "Wow, I'm talking to Myra Coleman. I was I was freaking out. I, I don't even know where those photos are anymore. Just in the ether somewhere. Yeah,
1: I yeah. I mean, Myra Coleman is just I don't know. She just she just makes magic. I I. Don't understand, and I don't want to, but it's amazing. Like her work is just beautiful, and I think just like her work and Alan Fletcher's work, like I call them my permission givers. Mm -hmm. Um, sorry, like multiple notifications happening. Um, Makes it more real now. (laughs) Makes it feel (laughs) like a
0: Zoom call. Yeah, it does. As if the audio didn't already indicate that this is a Zoom call.
1: (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I I was saying that I think like Alan Fletcher and Myra Kalman are like my permission givers. Like at some point when I started making sense of not just the fact that I wanted to be an illustrator, but also what kind of illustration I wanted to do, like just both of their works just made, made it seem to me like it was okay that I wanted to do more nonfiction stuff and more things about that were observational or just things that I was noticing and observing and understanding rather than like drawing superheroes which is great, but that's just not my thing and that's okay
0: totally so as we're winding down um i'd love to know um how are you staying sane what are the things that you're doing creatively even uh, physically on a fitness level like what what are you where are your moments of zen in all this
1: um i am tending to a lot of my plants which are which are just going on like Nothing else matters, which is kind of reassuring to just watch plants continue on like a time cycle, which is amazing. Um, I was listening to this podcast called, uh, oh no, why can't I remember the name of the podcast? It's the, uh, so this guy was talking about um, temporal space or just your temporal understanding. The Anthropocene Reviewed. Yes. Um, the Anthropocene Review, I mean, reviewed by John Green. It's beautiful. It can make you cry, but it's amazing. The
0: Anthropocene, the Anthropocene Review.
1: Yeah. Um, so he basically just, like, picks up these random things and, like, rates them on a five-star scale. Hmm. And so he was talking about temporal, and like, your understanding of temp- time, because humans are just, like, a blip. Our understanding of time is very different from, like, other things which have just existed for a longer period of time. So... I think of that when I'm watering my plants <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> consoling um, I'm cooking a lot which is fun like I'm just going I haven't baked in a while and I'm trying to do more but um, I'm still trying to do Bad Drawing Club virtually we did one last month um, so for people who don't know that Bad Drawing Club is a, um, is a drawing group for women non-binary and gender non-conforming folks in St. Louis so we meet up once a month but now we're doing virtual hangouts which is very exciting. <laughs> um more screen time,
0: but... Oh, yeah, more, more screen time.
1: More screen time.
0: Let's, yeah, yeah, like, right into our eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, where do you escape from the screens now?
0: No. And the, the thing, it's so funny now, the thing that we were all against, like, I guess intellectually, we're all just like, oh, too much screen time. with the to monitor our screen time. <laughs> now we're all just ODing on screen time now. Like everyone's oh. eyes
1: are just turning into screens.
0: For real. Yeah. Did you hear about this one, this one um, woman in Asia where she went blind or she burned her corneas by viewing her, her cell phone screen really close to her face at 100% brightness Oh my God. Uh, for like too long. No. <laughs> yeah. It was like a thing. I remember reading it. it, was, it was all, honestly, it was like clickbait and I so fell for it. But it was wow. like, oh no, my screen. And I wow. turned my, my cell phone screen like all the way down. It's like a saver <laughs> of brightness now.
1: Yeah. I, I keep telling myself, no, I'm not going to carry my laptop into my bedroom and then,
0: uh, what can it's you do? going to
1: happen anyway. But yeah. Um, yeah. Watching lots of terrible TV shows. <laughs> Trying to read. I have a whole stack of like graphic novels that I pulled out from the public library to take to my class, but now they're just sitting here. So I'm trying to make my way through it.
0: There you go. Where can our listeners find you? Where can they check out more of your work?
1: Uh, So my website is www.shreyasrkrishnan.com. Should I spell that out? Your name is in
0: the title of the episode.
1: Amazing. Yeah. And my Instagram is my first name backwards.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe you want to spell that out.
1: (laughs) It's at F A Y E R H S. But if you type my name into Instagram, it'll show up.
0: Tight. Amazing. Shreyas, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for jumping on. And again, we have to do this IRL whenever that happens.
1: Whenever that happens. Hopefully soon. Peace. Take care, Rich. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find the First Generation Burden podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get podcast content. On social media, you can find us at at FirstGenBurden, and you can find me at Rich underscore TU on various social media. If possible, please support your frontline healthcare workers by donating to First Responders First at help.firstrespondersfirst.co. Check this feed for more episodes. I hope you stay safe and stay healthy.